So we started a series last week, just a quick two-week series that we entitled Community Today. And so we've been talking about the idea of community and how God ordained it and designed it even within us even within himself, how God himself is community and how he has made us to do life together in community. And so last week we started this series and last week we talked about how community and doing life together, especially with believers, particularly with believers, that that's God's answer to things like loneliness. You know, you can find that. If you missed last week's message, uh, you can jump online and at rfcpeoria.com and give it a listen there. Click on the listen link and you can listen to last week's message. But that idea of doing life together in community is God's answer to loneliness. It's God's answer to fatigue when you're exhausted and tired, whether physically or emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It's God's answer to defeat. It's God's answer to despair and sadness. It's also God's answer to significance. And so that the idea of, of being together and doing life together, it, it, it really impacts those five really important areas of our lives. And so today we're going to jump into the second part of this message. And we're going to be, if you have your Bible and you brought your Bible and you're a paper Bible kind of person, then we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, we'll get to that in just a few moments. I just wanted to prepare you for it as I am even opening my own Bible. But um, so we're going to be in Second Corinthians chapter five. We'll get to that in a few minutes. And um, but I want to give you a little bit of background into this idea and this message. And so God has called us to live in what I call a gospel-centered community. Like wherever humankind is in all the world, we cluster into communities. It's interesting how how it works out. We'll get. We'll get more to that in a moment, but sociologists would say that what happens is wherever there are overlaps of intent, overlaps of experience, and overlaps of identity, you begin to see a community that is formed. Mankind cannot help but to form communities, even among themselves, because the nature of God and the nature of his creation is communal. It's to be together um, and so, and it's even found in scripture when we talk about God himself, you know, we, we talk about a God who exists in three distinct persons as God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. And while things like, like words like Trinity don't exist in scripture, and that's usually an argument, but neither do things like rapture, but it is something that's going to actually take place. You know, it's, it's, just a, it's just a word to describe a biblical idea necessarily. And even in John chapter 1, verse 18, the Gospel of John reads like this. He says, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. So it's already even depicting that there's more than one in God. He exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And because he exists that way, that's a community in itself. And when he said, let us make man in our image, he's saying, let's create mankind like us. We weren't like animals. We are completely different from every one of God's creations. And because we were made in his image, we were made in this idea of community. You know, so when the Bible says no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, he, who is Jesus, has made him known. Jesus is the one who has made God known to the earth. 
God made himself known through creation. Jesus is the one who made him known on the earth. And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes him known in our hearts and our lives today. And so there's this idea of community even taking place in God's creation. Matter of fact, C.S. Lewis coined this idea of, of God and the gospel of John as the dance. He said that the idea that God the Father is like is in, in the God the Son and God the Holy Spirit always seems to make things strange. It's kind of like this intricate dance that's taking place. The concept is foreign, but the Bible says that what you have is God the Father glorifying God the Son and the Holy Spirit making much of Jesus is how C.S. Lewis puts it. And so it's just this idea of community and it's no wonder that we are drawn that way. And if you need more evidence of the fact that we are drawn to community, just look at high school. Unless you went to a high school that had like 80 people or 150 people and everyone who played football also played baseball and everyone who played football and baseball were also in the band and they were also the valedictorians and they, you know what I'm saying, those small, small, small town high schools. Unless you were in one of those environments, if you just look at the local high school, you had people drawn to com in community. You had athletes that would draw to athletes, and you would have, for lack of a better phrase or whatever to call them, um, I'll just call them what some people told, called them when I was going to high school. You have people who are kind of like stoners that would, they, their community was a bunch of folks that would just get high, but it was still nonetheless a community. And so you would have the band people that would get into their own communities and then you would have these people that were commonly referred to as nerds or I would tell you those are the ones that every one of us work for in some capacity that's their own community as well you know and and even and then you have the anti-establishment people who are anti everything and they maybe they are they come from the goth style where they're in all black and and their black hair black makeup and they just want they got this look about them or their or what was commonly come later called the emo society but still even the anti-establishment I'm fine all by myself they still do what they still gravitate together and form their own anti-establishment establishment. That's really what happens. It's because that's in the nature of who we are. That's the way that God designed us, and we know this because it's what naturally happens. We naturally gravitate. The challenge, though, is this. In those communities, you can have believers in those communities, but those aren't gospel-centered communities. Those are interest-centered communities. Those are overlap-centered communities. Those are intent intentionally made that way based on the nature of what that person does, enjoys, or seeks. And so because of that, scientists, social scientists have defined community this way. They have said, community is an emergent quality. Community per se does not exist. It is a perceived connection between a group of people based on overlaps of intent, identity, interest, and experience. And so the best way to think about this is to think about, like I said, these high schools. You have the athletes, theater kids, the nerds, the band, the emo kids. You have all these different types of people that gravitate together. And you can't escape it. 
It's, you cannot possibly escape it. We are hardwired by our creator to seek it and find it. And we'll find it anywhere. And even if we try to ditch it and get rid of it, we will still always gravitate towards finding it. And so looking at the passage of scripture that I just talked to you about, I want to, I want to help you see this in a different perspective because I don't believe the social scientist definition of community. I believe it does absolutely exist. It's not a perception of an interest or an overlapping of identities, but there is an actual community, a gospel-centered community that God ordained and created that he desires for us to be a part of, that he desires for us to walk in and and actually experience, because here's the thing, you experience some unbelievable things in the context of community. And so today, a little bit different, my message preaching is going to be shorter than usual because I've asked about, I've asked three people today to share something about community, specifically in their context and how it's helped them and helped them walk through their lives. And so let's get into the, 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 the scripture for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse number 17. We will read verse, read verse 17 through 20. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It will be up on the screen. And here we go with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I read out of the New Living Translation. And the Bible says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And so this is the passage of scripture that I'm going to use to unveil and hopefully help you to see God's ordained community. So there's four things we're going to discuss. And, and, and as we discuss them, I will have others helping me out and sharing some of their experiences as it relates to community. And so the very first one, I'm going to come right out of the gate. I'm just going to celebrate this because this is the most important part of community is that we have the same Savior. Every one of us in this room, if you are a believer in Christ, we have the same Savior. There are no other images of Jesus. There's not my denomination's image of Jesus. There's not this denomination's image of Jesus. There's not this culture's image of Jesus. We have one Jesus. One, and it's all the same. The Savior is the same. Verse 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So if you belong to Christ, you have become a new person. And it's not to any other deity or any other idea, but belonging to Christ. And so we, you and I worship and serve the same King. In fact, in 1 Peter, he would say it like this. Once you were not a people, and now you are the people of God. So you, when you gave your life over to Christ, and he interrupted everything about what you thought was life, and he said, no, let me show you what real life is, you became part of a community. You became part of the kingdom 
of God. You were designed that way. And so there has been in you and me this fundamental shift in our identity. So that my primary identity is now found in Christ and in no other thing. That's your primary identity. As a believer, your primary identity is now found in Christ and not in anything. I am a husband, but I am not primarily a husband. I am a father, but I am not primarily a father. I am a pastor, but I am not primarily a pastor. I am all of my identity is found in Christ, and that's the community that I belong to, the community of the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. And so everything else is born out of that. My ability to father is born out of that. My ability to be a husband is born out of that. My ability to be a pastor and preach the gospel is born out of that identity and that community that I belong to. But see, God had to do something in order for me to be a part of that community. He had to come inside and he had to make me new. Because what was in there was old. What was in there was decrepit. What was in there was stinking and nasty and dirty and sinful. And he had to make me new. And by making me new, I became part of this community. I have been bought. And you, you have, if you are a believer in Christ, you have been bought by the blood of Jesus, adopted into the family of God, and placed among the saints so that you and I now become a type of family that transcends all other identity markers. That's what happened when you gave your life to Christ. You became part of a family that would transcend every other identity markers. And here's the thing. It's really easy to look at that and say how it, it transcends all the things that we're similar in. But here's what people have forgotten. That in being part of this community called the kingdom of God and belonging to Christ, it transcends even our differences. See, this is what we forget in the church. This is why we have all of these, I'm just going to keep it very, very real for you this morning. But this is why we have all of these divided churches. We are divided either by denomination. We're divided by what I think this one passage of scripture means. We're divided by the kind of music we listen to. We're divided by the color of our skin. We're divided by our culture. We're divided in the kingdom of God and the church in this nation more than any other nation by these things. When the reality is because we belong to the kingdom of God, all of those, cha- all of those differences should be, dif- should be tr- this, this identity in Christ transcends every one of them. But because we are a people of preference and because we are a people of consuming, this is who we are. This is what the American church looks like. And if you need the evidence, then fine. Just here's what I'll suggest. As a pastor, I don't necessarily like this idea, but here's the truth. Go into the, church, the city of Peoria. Go to the south end of our city. Walk into a church. See if any, if, here's, here's what I'm going to do. Ready? If you, if you are white like me, walk into the south end. Walk into a church in the south end and see if there's how many people look like you. Same thing. Come back up here on the north side. If you're an African-American, walk into a church and see how many people look like you. We have divided so much over difference. We are actually not engaging in the community that God actually intended from the very beginning. And if you don't believe me, then flip to the back of the book in Revelation where he says, he, John gets an image of heaven and he says, what did he say? He said, I saw with my eyes, I saw every nation, every tribe, every tongue worshiping God, what? Together. 
They weren't on the south end of heaven saying, no, this is our, we gospel over here. We off clap and beat white folk over here. That's not how he said it. He said, behold, I see with my eyes every tribe, every nation, every tongue worshiping what? Together. Now, I'm being foolish to some, I know, but it's true and it's real. It's just, it is what it is, and it's not what it's supposed to be. This truth transcends, and it's supposed to transcend our differences. It's not supposed to divide us in any way. This is going to, this might really step on someone's toes here, but I have more in common. We're going to get international now, okay? I have more in common with an Iranian brother who believes Jesus as his Lord and Savior than I do my next-door neighbor who looks like me that wants nothing to do with him. Let that rest for a second. I have more in common of being a middle-aged white man with a middle-aged black man who grew up in gangbanging south side of Chicago, went to prison. I have more in common with him because we have this, we're part of the same community in Christ than I do some of my family who I share DNA with. Let that just rest in you for a second. Yes, this is controversial. This is toe-stomping, but this is the truth. This is the way it's supposed to be. Unfortunately, not the way it is. Your family should be a household of faith. Those of you in this room right now who are believers in Christ, and I mean believers in Christ, that he has turned your life around, that you've had that heart transplant take place. I'm not talking just a Sunday morning saint. I'm talking those that are believers in Christ. You and I, we together for eternity, so get used to it. That's the idea of community. It's that intimate. It's that connected. It's that serious, and it's that real. We have the same Savior. You and I have yet said yes to the same Lord, and that makes us community. So I'm asking, I'm gonna, as, as I go through this, I'm going to invite, right now I'm going to invite my friend and the elder leader in this church, Mr. Marvin Kenzer. He come up here for just a moment. I'm going to use the blue microphone so you know back there for the sound. Marvin, you're not my friend. Okay, you're stuck with me for eternity, so get used to it. I'm cool with that. Anyway, so I asked you to share a, a moment. What was the question that I asked you? Do you remember? What? Um... Okay, so first is like what kind of community here at this church specifically are you engaged in? Well, the, um, I suppose the small group, mm-hmm. um, I, I set up occasionally. Uh, mm-hmm. Different outreach? Different outreach. Uh, the the um, laundry outreach. Uh, so you're engaged in, uh, in several different areas right. of what we do. So yes. now being a part of that community specifically, you know, we're, like I just said, we're all part of the, the, the big church, the big C church gospel, believing church in Jesus. What specifically about those communities being involved has, what has that done for you and your life and your faith and even in, helped you change your life? And it may not necessarily be here, just here, because I know you came here as, as, as a believer with maturity, but just in your life as a whole, but even specifically here, how has that helped you? 
Well, I think that what helps me personally is the, the, the smaller groups, the intimate, uh, getting to know people. Um, one thing that, that I do on a, on a Thursday is I have lunch with some other Christian men, and we talk about our uh, troubles and things like that. And sometimes we go there and you know, we just have lunch and just talk about our week, et cetera. But it's always good to hear other people, what they're going through. Uh, maybe you can help them or they can help you. And so uh, that's my, uh, what I get out of community. And thank you very much, Marvin, for sharing briefly with us. I appreciate that. The, the, the point and the goal in this is to, I preach it. I constantly talk about it. I do. I live it. But it's important to see others among you living out the same exact thing. And so, number one, we have the same Savior that makes us community. Number two, we all have the same story. And so before you say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, my story is different than that person's story. And, and while that is very true, your path is different. I'm going to kind of say this, we have the same story. And I might just add at the end of that a little sort of type moment. Look at the second half of verse 17 from 2 Corinthians. It says, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. We have the same story because we all have an old life. Now, my old life and your old life could be very, very different. Maybe you grew up nurtured in a gospel-centered home where you were taught about Christ early on in life and and Jesus was a part and a center point of your home and you don't some some of some of the, some folks that who grew up that way may even make comments like I think I was born saved. Now the reality is that's not actually possible. But that's because you that's what you know. That's that's what you grew up with. You were nurtured in that. Your heart might have been awakened to the beauty of Jesus when you were just six or seven years old and you were baptized and, and you couldn't quite articulate it much, but you just knew that the Spirit of God was moving and doing something in you at six or seven years old. And then maybe you grew up differently. Maybe you grew up in a home that didn't nurture faith. I, I didn't have faith growing up. Matter of fact, I have audio tape of uncles and people teaching me how to drop some serious cuss words at the age of two. And so a different society, different upbringing, I don't knock my upbringing because it's helped make me who I am today, but we all have a life and each life is different and maybe your story is that you've never been drunk and you've never been high and, and, and this is, you, were, you had this moral compass that points due north and maybe you're like me and spent the better part of your life drunk and high early on. I say the better part, although I'm getting to the age where I'm starting to see I'm almost close to having more time in faith than I am in the world, and I'm excited about that life. You know, but whatever your story is, we all have an old life. But here's what's really cool about the idea of community. That old life is now gone. And it's the new life that Christ has brought you to that makes up this idea called community. You know... We're all born into sin. That's biblical. That's the facts. We are born into sin. The nature of humanity is sin. That's why I get so frustrated. It's so funny. I get so frustrated with sin nature. 
so frustrated in such a way that even in my, my frustration with sin nature, my nature sins in frustration. Figure that one out. Like I just get frustrated with sin. And then in my frustration, I'm sin. It just, it's just this is the nature that we live in and, and how life kind of works. That's why I say we have the same story, sort of. Because we grew up differently, culturally differently, cities differently, locations in life and families differently, but we all have this old life. And matter of fact, in Psalm 51, 5, David says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. We were born into, born into sin. And in sin did my mother conceive me. So there is no, there's this idea that, that we're perfect or, 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 or we get the idea that babies and children are innocent because of their ability to understand their sin. They're not without sin. They're just innocent because they don't have the ability to understand that sin just yet. I mean, because think about it. You have to teach a two-year-old to say mine. Who teaches the two? You say, say daddy. Maybe two's old for that. 15 months, 12 months, 10 months, 9 months, whatever, at whatever point you're teaching your children to speak, you'll say, say mama, say dada, and they say mine. Or no. Woo. And you know what? They don't ever stop saying no. Mine are 17, 14, and 12, and they still say no. But now no comes with, now we live, I'm not saying what it comes with. But this, we don't have to teach that. That's just nature within every single person born. But it's that, that idea of community in Christ that changes that nature. And then even those that find themselves as lovers of Jesus and, and believers in Christ still find themselves from time to time bound by this sin nature. Whether it's in stress, or fear, or anxiety, or depression, or any other host of things that keeps a believer bound. They, they love Christ, but there's this, there's this, they're bound by these things. But it's community together with Christ and with others that sets us free from those things. The reality of that truth, I'm going to ask Becky, our worship leader, to come and share a little bit of that truth with you. So, as some of you know, um, I've been active in many different parts of the church. I'm obviously up here on the worship team almost every Sunday. I've been in the kids' church. Um, I help with prayer. Um, I obviously do exchange groups as well. Um, and some of the people that I've met in this church through any of those avenues have really been there to help support me when times were really tough, when I was going through uh, anxiety, depression. Um, whether or not you know, uh, I had a really big issue with trauma from losing our second child, Rowan. Um, and I, I miscarried her at 12 weeks. And that really hung heavily on my life for a long time. And there were many ladies in this church who came forward and said, I understand your story. I've been through it. Um, and it was just great to have that community there, that support there to just talk with somebody who understood what you were going through. But then even um, on the worship team, 
sometimes we don't have a lot of people, so we have to ask other musicians to come in and play for us on occasion. And even doing that, God blessed us with somebody who saw us through spiritual counseling to help deliver me from that trauma and some other issues in our life, me and Devin, and just completely healed us of um, all of that. I don't suffer with anxiety, depression anymore. I don't, if, if you've been here since before December, you'll probably have noticed a change <laughs> in me. Um, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's not only impacted me, but I can see how much it's helped our family grow, um, how much Sydney gets out of it, how uh, the people here really care for her and the community that she gets to see with all the other kids, all the other families, even when we have uh, um, uh, worship practice at our home, she gets to see people then and she gets really excited that people are coming over so I can see that Sydney's growing and she's getting used to this church community too so amen so real quickly um you were actually and you mentioned it, you were part of prayer and it was a time in that specific community that you had like an initial breakthrough obviously it, the overall breakthrough to oh, yeah. be complete healing and deliverance and being set free from all of that takes place over the course of time and journey, but that moment, share that moment just briefly, like leading up to it and that moment. Um, so it was Mother's Day last year. Um, I was so terrified at the prospect of being here uh, because of the trauma that I was going through that I didn't even think I was going to be able to show up here on Mother's Day. Let me, uh, so let me actually, you're, you're being generous and kind with the way you say that, but she literally said, I'm not coming. <laughs> she had a counselor who said, you don't have to go, so I'm, on, I'm not coming. That's what she said. Just Because yeah. I want to just paint just a little bit of just how significant this was for you. Yeah. Um, so we had prayer literally the day before at Miracle's house. We all met together. And God just... You just reached down and swept away all of that anxiety, all of that fear. Um, if you were there at prayer that day, my goodness, that was, that was a crazy day. Um, and then I ended up coming here on Mother's Day, and God gave me a word to, to speak here in front of everybody. And On the one day you wanted nothing to do with yeah. celebrating. Yeah. Even though you had a child and you were a mom to a child, yeah. you wanted nothing to do with celebrating that day because of the heartache and the, and the pain from the loss. Yeah. But being part of that community, not only did it get you here, got you up here to sing, but yeah. then you actually used something that God gave you to speak over the people. Yep. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Becky, for sharing. You know, this isn't just a, a, a pastor thing or a preacher thing or, or it it's me. It's, it, this is what God does and how he uses community. You know, so when I say things like, get your butt to prayer, this is why. When I say, get into an exchange group, the things like Marvin was saying, that's why. Iron sharpens iron. When you're in a group of men or women or 
mixed together and you're, you're talking through scripture and you're talking through the word of God, it brings about all kinds of things, education, knowledge, healing, power, strength. There's so much more in numbers, so much more power in numbers than there are in any one person by themselves. And listen, I get that life is hectic, I promise. And here's and not to do a comparison thing, but let's go ahead and line up the life that you have and the life that I have and have had for the last five years. And let's talk about what hectic looks like. Yet there's still ways to find, to be a part of community and do life together. That's the point of it. So we have the same savior. We have the same story, sort of. Here's what's really important. We all have the same assignment. It's right there in verse 18, the second half of verse 18 and verse 19. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. God is giving us, us as a community, us, not us as a pastor, us as a community, this task of reconciling people to him. Verse 19, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave us a message of reconciliation, not so that we can say, oh, wow, I've been reconciled to Christ, but so that I can help reconcile others to Christ. I mean, here's, here's the thing. You have got access to the most unbelievable community in the history of the world. Why aren't we sharing it? Can I, let me just ask the obvious question. Why is not every seat in this house filled? Why is not every seat in every church in America filled? Why, why are we not... Why are we not looking like the parable that Jesus spoke at the great banquet where we're going into the highways and byways and compelling people to come to the table? Why? What's holding us back from saying, I have the greatest community in the history of the world. You need to come be a part of it. Because there's people sitting here who came from outside of this church community into this church community. And they came from all kinds of other backgrounds. They came from legalistic Christian backgrounds. They came from ritualistic Catholic backgrounds. They've come from completely unsaved and unchurched backgrounds. They've come from all kinds of backgrounds. And they've come here and they found, wow, this is community. This is people who love God, love each other, love their community, and actually do something about it. That's, that's why not share that. There's, and we're not the only church like that. There's hundreds and thousands of churches in the nation like that. You have access to this. And it is actually your assignment. What happens? Let's, let's, just, go, let's just take it back to high school. What happens in high school if you don't do the assignment that the teacher gives you? You get a zero. Not to put the whole thing in that simple of a bubble, but there's going to be a time when you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, what have you done with my son? Oh, well, I loved him. Good. I knew his name. Good. Demons even know who Jesus is. What have you done with my son? What have you done to engage others in this community called Christ? That's what the question you're going to have to answer. And the last thing you want on that test is a zero. I promise you, this is your assignment. So what's happening here is we have the same Savior, we have the same story, and God has put this all together and put this team together in a given place at a given time for the glory of his name and the joy of his people, and then has given us the same assignment. It manifests differently. Uh, this is the way I'm working my assignment, but this is actually just what I do on Sunday. I talk gospel and faith and share it everywhere I go. 
It's funny that sometimes I, when I was driving Uber, somebody showed up at church that I, had, I was their Uber driver. So it's not just behind the pulpit for me, but this is how it manifests on Sunday. But every day of the week, if you should be sharing this community with somebody. And we don't. We say, well, I don't want to shove it down their throat. Okay, good for you. I want to kick it down their throat if necessary. I do. Because I know how powerful it is. I know how liberating and freeing it is. I've known this young woman for 10 years almost. She was a quirky little young 20 plus, young 20s when she was my intern as a youth pastor. And I loved her and she drove me nuts at the same time. And I still love her tremendously at this point, even more so. And I've seen her go through this journey. I've seen the anxiety. I've seen the depression. I've seen it. And, I've, and it sometimes has gotten to like, and I've even, at, and this is why I love her because she's so full of grace and mercy because even in my not understanding, I'm like, seriously, suck it up. That doesn't always work, just so you know. So if someone's going through that, don't tell them to suck it up. Sometimes there's a suck it up moment. You just got to do that. But other times it's really not good. So just avoid it altogether. Without community, that healing doesn't take place. Without this community, it doesn't grow into what God's called it to be for her. And she's not alone. This is all for you as well. The same exact way. Where am I at? I got to keep moving. So we operate in different ways, but we have given, been given the same task. You and I have been put in different spaces. I'm in the space of vocational ministry. You're in the space of sales or education or government or business or law or something else is your space. You've been put in that space for a reason. Use that space. Use that platform. Matter of fact, when Jesus appeared to his disciples and he told them in Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world, that word go didn't mean leave your family and walk away. It says as you are going, as you are living your life of faith, preach. And I remember my spiritual father told me in the very, very beginning, he says, you're going to face so many difficulties in this journey called church planting. He says, I just want to tell you, do this, preach twice. I was like, that's it? He says, yes, preach twice. Preach when you feel like it and preach when you don't. And when I say preach, it's not just with the microphone. It is in everyday life. Speak the gospel when you feel like it and even when you don't. But we've been called to this. All of that, according to Psalm 139 and Acts 17, they're very similar, has been set up so that men, so that when men seek God to find him, they won't be far off. That's why God designed it this way. That's why he empowered all believers to do this. So that when one was seeking him, somebody was going to be around. Imagine if every actual believer, born again, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, would actually preach the gospel daily. That means anyone and on earth who would say, just utter his name and cry out, boom, somebody would be there in a moment to walk them through. That's the point. If you look at Acts to one, uh, Psalm 139 and Acts 17, you'll see that. I'll allow you to read that on your own. But we are all ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors for Christ. Think about it. Look at this passage of scripture. Look at all of our differences. Look at how much we actually have in common being part of the community of God. We have so much more in common than we don't. In fact, Maya Angelou said it the best. She says, we are so much more alike than we are unalike. Yet we 
look at what we're different and don't celebrate how we're similar. So we have the same Savior. We have the same story, sort of. We have the same assignment. And then from there, we have one another. It goes back to even the end of worship. We are never alone. We have one another. Matter of fact, the term, the phrase one another, there are 54 one another's in the New Testament. To love one another, to be gracious to one another, to show kindness to one another, to forgive one another, and even to honor one another. There's 54 times it says one another in the New Testament alone. I love the idea of honoring one another. So I think out of all of those, when I look at, when I look at all of these, and there's so many more, but when I look at love one another, that's, that just should be a given. I love because Christ loved me. You know, being gracious and showing kindness and forgiving, that's a challenging one, I know. But to honor one another is so unbelievable because here's what it does. It, en- it encompasses every one of those 54 one another's are found in just simply honoring someone. It was the hardest thing, if I can just be real for a moment. As, as a pastor, it was the hardest thing in the world for me to just honor people. It's really, honor, it's really easy to honor someone who loves me. It's easy to honor someone who honors me. It's easy to honor someone who's loyal to me. It's easy to honor someone who is kind and generous, but there's no stipulation on honor. You honor those who criticize you. You honor those who condemn you. You honor those who hurt you. You honor those who cause you pain. Matter of fact, what was, what's the Bible say? If someone slaps you in the face, what are you supposed to do? Go ahead, take that cheek while you're at it. We're called to honor people. And I learned, not easily, but I learned that above everything else, regardless of differences, problems, challenges, struggles, hurts, and pains, I will always honor. Because that encompasses, I think, who Christ is. Sometimes you can even make a competition out of it. You know, here's how, let me, let me show you how far honoring goes. This is how far honoring goes. Honoring goes, I'm going to park in the back of a parking lot so that someone else who's coming can have a closer spot. Make a competition out of it. See who can park the furthest away. And when you think you've gotten further, I'll just walk here. That's it's foolishness, right? But that's what honor is. Honor goes above and beyond and way outside of crazy to bless someone else. Could you imagine if we lived in a society that honored one another? <sighs> Man, that's okay because we'll get there eventually. Hopefully all y'all will. It's called heaven. So here's, let me help you with this whole idea of community because Community can be challenging to understand when, it, when we're talking about church. So here's what I want you to know, that coming to church and listening to sermons is nowhere found in Scripture. Belonging to the church is. Being the church is. Coming to church and sitting and listening isn't found, although that's what church has become. That's not, 
That's not even biblical. Matter of fact, Jesus would sit at the feet of the teachings in the synagogue. And then you find him, at a, and then you find him doing what? Teaching in that same synagogues as a child. It's not found to just sit. You got to learn. You got to grow. You got to become a disciple. You've got, but it's not found to just sit. I mean, look at Paul's journey. Paul met, Paul crucified, killed Christians, meets Jesus on this road. He spends three days blinded. He, he receives sight and then what? Preaches the gospel. Three days of Bible college. Can you imagine what that would look like today? Like it, that's what we'll do. We'll send my daughter off to Bible college, bring her back in three days and give her a mic and say, preach. See, here's the thing. That should be possible. That should be done. But it's all going to depend on the community that they had growing up. That's what it's all dependent upon. But you belonging to the church is what God's called us to do. To be the church. That's scarier. That's more nerve-wracking than just sitting. Because sitting is easy. It's easy to sit and listen to music. It's easy to sit and, and, and listen to preaching from some guy who can be funny from time to time. It's easy to do that. But belonging to the church, when you, if, if that's all you do... In any church, not just here, but any church, and you're robbing yourself. That's what you're doing. You're robbing yourself of all that God has for you. But when we do this together, such power, such healing, such faith happens. And the last person I'm asking to share this morning, and we're going to wrap it up after this, after he shares, is a... It's a man who I love dearly, who's been through pain that nobody even really wants to experience. And so I'm going to ask Dan to come. Dan has uh, been with me since before the beginning. And it, and, it, and, it, and it wasn't necessarily, come on up, it wasn't necessarily his choice but he wasn't necessarily against it either. His wife would say, I want to be a part of that. I want to help. And so they would. And they would drive an hour. And he's going to hate this because he's going to stand in front of people where he doesn't want to be. And I'm going to brag which he cannot stand. And somebody just went, cat called him. I like it. Relaxes the tension a little bit. But faithful faithful to this community, faithful to what God's done here, actually really came to know Christ well in those launch team meetings, right? So if you don't know Dan, don't know his story, I'm going to share a little bit of it to keep him from having to talk too much because he's going to, and he'll be thankful for that. Like I said, he's been with me since the very, very beginning. His wife said, I want to be a part of that. And they came, his wife, two children, himself, and they would literally drive an hour every single day, every single Sunday, every single Sunday, drive an hour and have that same hour home. And he's the first person here, last person to leave. He's a good Marine. It's built into his DNA. It's the way they are anyway. But that's, that's who they were as a family. And then his wife passes away. And so 
That happened. I want you to share a little bit about what community means and how it helped and what it did during that season and even as it continues. So, uh, yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so that was kind of a whole blur the whole time. But uh, for five days, there was somebody from the church there all the time helping out, just being there. And it was a lot. The church did a lot. And being part of the group was priceless. How has it helped you? You never get over these things in life, but how has it helped you get through? It gives us something to look forward to, um, something that Julia wanted. I mean, she's everywhere in here, so. Mm. So Dan goes through this, has this experience, but he had, he had community leading up to that. So that then when he experienced what he experienced and the loss that he experienced, while painful, and I can't even imagine. I mean, she was like a sister to me. We fought like brother and sister. And she's like a sister to me, best friend to my wife. And those are valuable relationships when you do what we do. And, then, and of course, man, they, their, their story take Dan to, to lunch one day and then say, tell me the story of you and Julia from beginning to today. And then buckle up your seatbelt and, and, and throw away your offensive ears. And then let's listen to the story. It's amazing, ridiculous and amazing at the same time. But again, it's that community and being part of it. People feel like they're alone. Because when something like this happens, they don't know where to turn. But Dan knew where to turn and actually didn't even have to turn. They came to him and still do. Still do. Thank you, Dan, so much for sharing, bro. That's what community is. That's what God ordained every one of us to be a part of. It gave him, if for nothing else, but it gave him something to look forward to. Go over and shoot guns. It just gave him something to look forward to, something to just ease the pain a little bit. That's what community is for. It's for all of that. It's to grow. It's to learn. It's to be sharpened. It's to be healed. It's to be set free. It's to be delivered. It's to have peace. It's to have something to look forward to. And if you're not engaged in community, in the body of Christ, I'm not talking, because I tell you, all y'all have friends that you got nothing in common with, except things that will pass away. That's the reality. All the things that we enjoy in this earth, and they're wonderful. I'm a sports fanatic. Maybe you love racing. Maybe you love crocheting and knitting. Maybe you love all these other things that we love. They're all very temporary. It's the eternal things that join us. And if your community is greater outside of the body of Christ than it is inside of the body of Christ, you have a little bit of evaluation to do of yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 says this. 
Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if, he, if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? I love that passage of scripture because it says all of these things have to work together for it to be right and for it to actually work. All of us in our uniqueness and our differences and the way we were fearfully and wonderfully made have to work together for this to work. And not just those that are sitting here, but those that aren't sitting here that you know you should be part of, part of compelling them to come to the table. Here's what we all know. We all know people who don't know Jesus. We all know people who are looking for Jesus. We know those two people. Don't know him and ain't looking. He came and found me because I wasn't looking for him. And then we know people who are looking, who are searching. You have it. You have the community to offer them. That's what God's called you to. So this morning, we're going to do this differently. No music, no noise, no nothing. And then we're just going to end service in just a moment. But here's what I want you to do. Self-evaluation on that sheet with your notes. How have you benefited from being, benefited from being in community with other believers? I don't mean your travel baseball teams and your football teams. And I'm talking the community that is intentionally believers. Those others are good. I was part of the volley, travel, volley, uh, travel volleyball community, travel baseball community, all these other different communities I've been a part of, but none of them bring life like this one. And so how has that benefited you? And if you're not actively engaged in community with believers, how are you going to change it? Nick, if you'll do me a favor and just hit the Spotify playlist, put on that prayer list for just a moment, play it softly in the background. Take a moment to evaluate yourself because those things are very critical to do. Just, we'll just take a minute or two because I, I, I need to wrap this up and get out of here. Take just a minute or two. Write it down if you need to write it down. If you don't have a pen or you didn't get a note sheet, then just think about it in your mind. So just take a moment right where you are. Just think about that. How is that it's a celebration. How has that community benefited your life? And if you're not actively engaged in the community of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the church, whether it's and here, exchange groups, prayer, outreach, all these different ways, then tell yourself, be honest with yourself. Tell yourself that and say, I need to get in. Because the greatest thing I ever did for me and for my future family was to dive headfirst into everything God had for me. I did. I dove headfirst. I gave my life to Christ and said, peace out, world. Dove headfirst into things that God had for me. I jumped into ministry. I jumped into serving. I jumped, you don't need to be discipled to serve. You'll be discipled as you serve. That's the facts. That's, that was my path. That's every, every path can be discipled while you serve. That's the greatest thing I ever did for me. That's the greatest thing I ever did for my children who weren't even born yet or even thought of. So take a moment right now, just one minute.